Hello, I'm Kelly Mundell, Digital Editor of IOSH Magazine. Welcome to our podcast series, which features exclusive interviews with industry experts, behind-the-scenes discussions with members, and conversations with future leaders of the health and safety profession. In this episode, I speak to Chartered Fellow Chris German, a safety practitioner with more than 30 years' experience and IOSH's new Thought Leadership Manager. Chris discusses what his new role will entail and why it's so important for safety managers to be thinkers. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. It's great to have you on the podcast. You recently became Thought Leadership Manager at IOSH. Why did IOSH feel it was important to create this role? And what are the long-term expectations for you at a strategic level? Oh, well, thank you uh, for inviting me, Kelly. Um, There's been a programme of staffing changes within IOSH where some roles have been merged, uh, some removed, and in this case, some new ones created. This role really came out of the changes within the content team where there was growth to a point where the work was too much and too diverse for one person, really. So the role was split. And from that, the thought leadership management role appeared. Uh, Why thought leadership management? Well, it was realized that uh, it was necessary to have a bridge between the content that we produce right across the institution and the members. What was needed was someone who was an experienced practitioner with a wide range of experience and some years behind them so that they could shape the way that content was released in order for it to make the most sense to other practitioners out there. Strategically, we'll have to wait and see how the role develops, of course, but I'm sure that it will be there to support uh, IOSH in being the thought leadership voice for the profession. It's a title that will likely prompt some interest among members, just in terms of what your remit is. So what exactly does the new role entail? Well, it has already, to be honest. Uh, There is a view that I sit on a misty mountain top, surrounded by unicorns and the sound of wind chimes. Uh, Thought leadership is seen uh, by some as a form of crystal ball gazing, trying to predict the future. But in true Rumsfeld fashion, we can't predict the unknown, nor are we expected to. So there are two main parts to the role. The first is that thought leadership element, and this is um, comprised of four main strands. And these are really, number one is the new. So it's the known unknowns rather than the unknown knowns. It's the bright ideas. It's it's results from research. Um, it's stuff that's stimulated from groups, from members, from uh, branches. But it's certainly not about trying to see over the horizon. The second part is really about challenging paradigms. So why have we always done it this way? And it's not to say that that's not the right way. Uh, It may be that it's an extremely good way that we do things, but have we really analysed why it works? Perhaps we might uh, alternatively call this sense checking. The third strand is about restating standards. They're, They're back to basics. Now, we've got to remember that the world is on a journey here, and we have to stop seeing the finishing line as being the same for everyone. As I'm sure we'll discuss as we go through the podcast, not everybody is at the same place on this journey, and we have to stop looking at OSH being purely UK-centric. The fourth element is about joining the dots differently, making new connections with established ways of working, and just looking at different ways to see the same things. You said that sense-checking 
might be a more appropriate description of what you will be doing. Can you explain what you mean by this? Yes, this is really more about the second part of the overall role. It's looking at the bigger picture and making sure that everything is joined up. Connectivity is perhaps another way of describing it. Not only must the content that we produce make sense as a standalone material, but it needs to work without contradiction or conflict with other pieces. So you've been a safety practitioner for 30 years. You're a chartered fellow of IOSH and previously held a senior safety role at John Lewis Partnership, a multi-site, multi-discipline organisation. How will you use your experience to benefit IOSH members? What many people don't realise is the diversity within large organisations such as John Lewis Partnership. Yes, we had the shops and the supermarkets along with their distribution operations, but we also had five hotels, two swimming pools, an outdoor adventure centre, fabric, dyeing and printing, curtain manufacture and a dairy farm, even a mushroom farm. The range of knowledge necessary to advise across this is pretty significant. Then there were vehicle workshops, paint spraying, vehicle testing, as well as a passenger tender crossing to Brownsea Island in Pool Harbour. Add in over 90,000 partners and you can see how my role within the partnership has covered some considerable ground. I think that this and the other roles that I have served in my career are a good basis for being seen as a credible source of advice by most members. IOSH's competency framework is nearing completion and contains several peer discussion documents. With such an active and vocal membership, it's quite possible the debate could be quite lively. How will you manage this important step in OSH professional development? The purpose behind these documents, the peer discussion documents in particular, is to stimulate debate. Now, we're hoping that people will be able to recognise the difference between healthy debate and all-out argument, of course, but we'd be disappointed if there wasn't a reaction of some kind. Of course, we wish it to be positive, but we genuinely want people to join the debate. I understand there'll be a formal way in which people can voice their opinions, and part of the role of the thought leadership manager will be to receive those comments and process them and act upon them. So as they say, bring it on. Let's hear what the people have to say. Absolutely. It's an exciting time at IOSH with Vanessa being appointed CEO and we've got a new head of professional development coming soon and as well as a new strategy and the values. So from your point of view, what can members expect? Well, Kelly, it might sound a bit boring or possibly rather guarded, but the simple answer is more of the same. Bev did an outstanding job, as we all know, and change for the sake of change is certainly not the message we're hearing from Vanessa. Sure, there's a huge pair of shoes to fill, but luckily she and Bev wear the same size, if you follow me. <laughs> so more of the same with bells on. Fantastic. So coming back to your role, will your focus be on the UK or will you be looking to engage internationally? It's important to remember that Irish is a global institution. Of course, the majority of our member base is in the UK currently, and that's where it started but we're seeing greater growth outside of the UK. You could say the rest of the world is waking up to OSH, which is excellent news. Part of this is being driven by the enthusiasm for sustainability programmes, the whole people, planet, profit agenda. But good safety is part of good business. It's a message that's spreading. However, what we have firmly fixed in our mind is that while most of Western Europe is racing towards the finish line on many topics OSH-related, 
some parts of the world are only just lacing up their running shoes. Within advice and practice, we continually challenge ourselves on ensuring that what we produce is not simply UK-centric. In fact, we have a fictional character, Monty from Mozambique, who's become the virtual north on our compass. It's become an established challenge within the team. Ah, yes, that's all very well. But what would Monty think? Fantastic. Ayosh talks a great deal about the importance of effective managers. And we know that they need to be excellent communicators and multitaskers. But why is being a thinker so important for a safety manager? Well, this might have to be the subject of another session, as it could be rather a long answer. Um, there are two parts to this, essentially. The first is about being a thinker. The problem with OSH is there's always something new coming along to challenge us. Sometimes it's huge, such as COVID. But other times, and more commonly, it's a little more every day. But we can't rehearse and prepare for every situation. Therefore, we must be well-versed in the concepts that enable OSH solutions to be applied. We cannot be rigid here. And quoting regulations is not the way to deal with things. Being able to think around a subject and be flexible in our approach is what's needed. The peer discussion documents in Blueprint mentioned earlier actually explore a great deal of this thinking. The second point is that of being a manager and really the longer part of the answer that I suspect we don't have time for in this session. Having a degree, diploma, NVQ or whatever does not make you a manager. Yes, it might make you a qualified OSH practitioner, but it does not automatically make you a manager. This is probably a subject for another time, but in order to be a manager, practitioners must be versed in things like soft skills, commercial awareness, budgeting, business planning and negotiation skills. This won't come from the current offering of resources established or aspiring members. Now, you mentioned COVID and obviously the world of work has changed drastically. What do you see as being the key challenges for the profession going forward? As we discussed earlier, the world of work has indeed changed drastically, yes, but not for the entire world. Just because we might be sitting at home having online meetings in our pyjamas and not travelling into the city anymore doesn't mean it's the same for everyone. Look at the recent example from IOSH magazine on shipbreaking. These industries are not even at first base. It's not about improving safety. There's nothing to improve on. On the other hand, we have the UK where we might be forgiven for thinking that everything is rosy. But of course it's not. We still have too many work-related deaths. So while there is a need for the OSH profession to be looking forward at emerging technologies and so forth, we can't forget the basics in sectors such as agriculture, construction and manufacturing. There seems to be a school of thought that anything new is also the next big thing, which isn't necessarily true, especially when you consider that we've not finished with the other priorities, such as height, workplace transport, moving and handling, etc., not to mention occupational diseases and conditions. We just have to not lose sight of the ball, as it were, simply because there is something new to look at. Absolutely. You mentioned shipbreaking. IOSH magazine actually, but yes, we ran an article on shipbreak on the shipbreaking industry. Yeah. Um, we also produced a video. Um, so if listeners would like to see that, it's been really, really well received. I think over 10,000 people have actually watched it so far. Um, but if you go to the video section of the IOSH magazine website, you'll be able to watch it there. 
So thanks for the plug, Chris. <laughs> That's all right. It was very, very thought-provoking. It was indeed. Um, so in your role, will you have a part to play in guiding members on adapting post-COVID? In truth, this is something being looked at by the wider team at IOSH rather than anything I would be applying thought leadership to specifically. I'm not sure there's anything new to be discovered in relation to the whole return to work and the new dawn, as it were, on ways of working. COVID is in reality a public health issue and one for management to address with our help, of course. But I don't personally hold with it being primarily an OSH matter in its entirety. There are decisions that need to be taken regarding personnel, buildings, hours, etc., that are just not in the gift of the OSH professional to give. I see that our role is to enable, support, enhance, and so on, but not to own. Now, I know that you're keen to ensure that members don't think of your new role as a future-gazing role, but I'm keen to know what does the future of the OSH professional look like for you? Will it encompass a much broader role than previously, which has been discussed a lot recently? And if so, what areas will OSH professionals need to sharpen their skills? Well, Kelly, I think this is where I shall, in fact, need to return to the Misty Mountain with the unicorns and the rainbows. <laughs> in other words, it's difficult to forecast. But in line with my earlier comments, I think the profession in general does need to sharpen up on its management skills and the way it sees and portrays itself. I also think that as practitioners, we need to sit down and debate some of the long-held beliefs and dogmatic views that prevail, especially those surrounding risk assessment an incident investigation. While training and education does touch on occupational health, it probably doesn't go much further than giving an understanding of the subject. After all, being an OH practitioner is a career in its own right. A few modules on a course doesn't really do more than scratch the surface, in my view. You're a published author. Uh, you wrote a book with Duncan Spencer on risk-led safety. Have you got any plans for another book? And if you did, what would you write about? And finally, how do you see your relationship with IOSH magazine? Do you have any plans to write any thought leadership pieces through online articles, for example? Uh, yes, we did write a book together. And it appears that someone actually bought a copy. <laughs> um, I think it might have been Duncan. <laughs> um, we have talked about writing another book based on our experiences of working in large multi-site, multidisciplined organisations, expanding on some of the realities, uh, Osher's imagined v. Osher's practised, you might say, but at present we've no plans to, to start. Certainly working with the magazine is something we're very keen to do. It's a way of reaching a large and varied audience with topics that are probably easier to digest than our book. But in all seriousness, yes, getting the message out there that IOSH has been listening and has been acting behind the scenes to address those issues raised by members, branches and groups. I'm certainly excited, and I don't often say that, about the future of IOSH, the membership and, of course, members themselves. Well, we look forward to reading them, Chris. Thank you so much for your time today. It was great to learn more about your new role and hear your thoughts on the profession generally. So thanks for being on the podcast. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. See you next time for another conversation on all things health and safety.